good to be back home and on the airwaves. Hey, Ebo here. I want to thank Zach Heilprin, our guy RJ, who will be coming in eventually. Uh, Grant Bills for helping out as I was on vacation. I went to sunny Mexico in Playa del Carmen. Little jaunt from Madison to Chicago. I went to O'Hare. Got on an aeroplane about uh, 6 a.m. Went from Madison to Chicago. Got up my ass up at 12.45 in the morning. Got everything situated. Hopped in the Jeep with the missus. Took that two-hour drive to Chicago. Not a soul on the road. It was incredible. I love driving in Chicago when there's nobody on the road. Got to O'Hare. Went to the economy lot. The economy lot. You know, a little cheaper parking. Just got to ride a little shuttle to the airport. Save a little money here and there. Get to the economy lot, and the damn thing is closed. There's a poor lady sitting in a um, a parking enforcement SUV, ready there to hand me a little slip. And on that slip, it said you could park right in the parking lot that was right next to uh, getting into the airport for a discounted price. I was very excited about that. Parked the Jeep, walked in. Sat around a little bit. Not the economy walk lot, Kinger. The economy lot. The economy lot. Got on the airplane. Spirit. Oh, baby, we're riding. Uh, we're riding with. We're rubbing elbows with the elite, the elite on Spirit Airlines. Flew into Cancun. Proceeded to buy a fifty-dollar margarita because I forgot how to convert pesos momentarily. <laughs> get on the airport. Once you get to the airport in Mexico. Uh, you get down, you go through customs, whatever, and then right when you get outside, there are people just hounding you to get a taxi. We uh, had one set up already, so hounding you to get a taxi. We had a little time to kill because our flight was a little early. Uh, got uh, to a little bar that's outside there. <clears throat> I'm like, you know what? I'm on vacation. I'm going to have myself a margarita. Get the margarita. The missus gets a margarita. All of a sudden... I'm looking at it converting. I'm like, geez, I just spent $100 on two margaritas. <laughs> They're giants. They're gigantic margaritas, though. So I had margarita. Uh, it was about like six shots in the damn thing. Finished that, waiting for a shuttle. And then I saw this little beer stand, so I got me a cerveza, a Tecate. Had that. I got another one. By the time I got to Playa del Carmen, where we were staying, I was already about three sheets to the wind. And then we just uh, got it going. Uh, there from Friday all the way till when do we get back? Got back really late Tuesday night. Uh, didn't want to do the show Wednesday because just coming back from vacay. And then ready to get going. Ready to get after it. So it's nice to be back. I'll share some uh, stories from vacation. As it was uh, Attack of the Canadians. They were f- everywhere in Playa del Karma. If I had your buddy or A... Or even more drawn-out O's in a Wisconsinite one more time. I think I was going to lose it. I was also got uh, almost into a scuffle with a Canadian from Alberta there, yeah, buddy. As we were doing some uh, some pool parties, and they did some pool games. And this one Canadian thought took it upon himself to be like the Michael Phelps slash Michael Jordan of the pool. Of this silly little game that we were playing. as uh, I'll share the story a little later. What did I miss, though? I would love to hear what I missed as I was gone. Uh, Zach Halpern, again, thank you. 
Uh, he took the reins Monday, Tuesday, and obviously Wednesday. Uh, there was a best of on Friday. Again, I'll, I'll check in with RJ when he gets here, but I would love to know what I missed and how the boys did. I'm going to be honest, I didn't tune in uh, at all. I, I was on vacation. I totally checked out. Um, didn't I, I was back yesterday. I could have listened to the show. I didn't. I said, no thanks. But one thing that I did miss, I was uh, keeping tabs on it. Uh, obviously, I was down there for the Super Bowl. Didn't miss the Super Bowl. I got to watch that. As that was a completely different experience in Mexico. As there was this gigantic event center. Uh, gigantic event center that they had at this resort. And they pulled out, it was like one giant TV, like a big projector TV, then two other larger, like probably like 70, 80 inch, whatever TVs. And literally in this event hall was uh, this buffet of uh, bastardized American foods, <laughs> tons of Canadians, and a couple people from the UK. And the only people wearing jerseys, everyone there was either a Kansas City Chiefs fan or a Kansas City Swift fan. Wasn't really too many Niner fans, a couple. But for some reason, there was a contingency of Bears fans. I saw a bunch of Brian Urlacher and Dick Butkus jerseys there at the event center. Uh, watched the Super Bowl. Uh, got to about halftime. Uh, then we had dinner, dinner reservations right when Usher was jumping on stage is when we had some dinner resis. Little hibachi down there, and then um, made my way back to the room afterwards and watched the second half there. And that's when everything really got you know going big time. Was in the second half. Of course, Patrick Mahomes couldn't be denied. As I don't know, I said this before I left. He never bet against Patrick Mahomes. Couldn't be denied. As he saw that in overtime with the Chiefs getting their uh, getting their back to back. Uh, we'll have to talk, obviously, what happened yesterday at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. Very sad stuff. Uh, what, over 20 wounded? One has uh, unfortunately been killed with a shooting. Terrible. I got really good audio from it. Uh, terrible situation, but some goods from it. Uh, one of the guys that stopped the uh, shooter uh, took it upon himself to be the Good Samaritan. So we'll celebrate that as opposed to talk about the scumbags that uh, decided to go and ruin everyone's, you know, fun and then lives. So that was terrible to see. Uh, also, what I was uh, not getting to watch, but I did watch the recap of it, was not one but two Wisconsin Badger basketball games. Saturday, on Saturday, did that really happen? The Badgers get their asses waxed by Rutgers at the rack? Did that actually happen? I had to look at my phone. I didn't know if I was drinking too much tequila or what. That happened. I went back and watched the, uh, I wouldn't say highlights, lowlights. Yikes. Whew. Yikes. Where are we at on the Greg Guard and the guard check here? The guard will watch. The Badgers. And then a nice little bounce back, obviously, over Ohio State on Tuesday, 62-54. to 54. But, man, did that really happen? Losers of four in a row, and you follow Rutgers seventy-eight to fifty-six. Now I know the rack's a tough place to play. I'm sure you guys talked about it with Zach Heilprin, but my gosh, that was tough. But to see the bounce back and what Greg Gard was able to accomplish against Ohio State and the Buckeyes, we say goodbye to their head coach. We'll have to. Uh, <laughs> I got something on that. Also, Milwaukee Brewers spring training pitchers and catchers report yesterday. 
Uh, their first workout today, that's got to be feeling really good as baseball is nearing the first uh, game against the Padres. Spring training game is going to be on the 24th, so that's quickly approaching. And then before you know it, it's opening day out in New York against uh, David Stearns and his Mets. So Brewers season underway and Packers. You know, NFL always rules with an iron fist. Got some Packers chatters today and something that happened yesterday on Valentine's Day. I'm putting my foot down. Um, Valentine's Day has gone too far. I'll explain coming up. How about Greg Gard quick? Also want to talk a little Stephen Crowell. Our guy Greg Gard. You better watch out for him. I'm a Gardo guy. I think you guys know that by listening long enough. So when it comes to Gardo, I had to chuckle when I saw this. After Greg Gard goes into Ohio and beats the Buckeyes. Tune him up. Ohio State said, I've had enough. And they parted waves with their head coach, Chris Holtman. You're fired after Dark Gardo comes in and gets it done. Uh, Greg Gard now has taken away two coaches' jobs. One a little different than Chris right there. As Greg Gard, if you remember the Badgers, beat North Carolina 2021 in March Madness. And then Roy Williams couldn't stomach it and handle it. That Gardo came in and bested him. He retired. Not too long afterwards. So Greg Gard has taken two souls now in Roy Williams and now Chris Holtman for Ohio State as Gardo, Dark Guard, getting it done. Let's go to the phones. Our guy Daniel, what's up, Daniel? What's happening? Well, I'll tell you what. Greg Gard is officially back, baby. <laughs> I know. I saw that. And I was like, that has got to be – well, here's what I took it. I took it as a good sign for the Badgers. And then other people were saying the Badgers were so bad at that time that Ohio State couldn't stomach it and had to part ways with him after they saw Gard put in Isaac Lindsay. I mean, so <laughs> I heard from last segment that – like people are talking about, uh, well, I don't trust the Badgers yet, and I don't, you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, man, it's you know they, they lost they lost five of six. That that is hard to stomach, right? Especially after all the success they had. Um, but you know they're they're sitting at seventeen and eight this year. Yeah, they're still ranked in the top twenty five, even if maybe it's not warranted right now. But. They're still in the top 25 because of how good they played for two straight months. They're balling. You know? They're balling, Daniel. Like, all, all it takes is a couple games to get back on track, to get your your superstars back on track. Not that they, you know, they, they've got A.J. Storr as a bona fide superstar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He can, he can play ball with the best of them in the NCAA right now. Yep. On certain days. So... They have a couple. They have a couple like you know big thirty-five point games from store. Still coming this season. Like, totally. And Daniel, on, on the, I think we what, talked about this last time you called in. How about Stephen Crowell actually played a good game? He had sixteen points and ten rebounds. It was his best game ex- since like friggin' they played like Jackson State or whatever it was earlier this season. Stephen Crowell, the Badgers go the way he goes too. Well, I'd say Stephen Crowell played a great half. Sure. Uh, great first half. The second half left a little bit to be desired. But, um, yeah, it, it was it was nice to see him get back to being a little aggressive on the offensive end. Actually, you know, taking some shots. Like, at, remembering he's seven feet tall? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, especially against Ohio State. I think their tallest guy is like 6'9". Yeah. So, you know, taking a 
Was it you, it was it you that called in last Thursday and we were talking about this and you said you noticed that they list him as a forward now and not a center anymore? Yeah, I, well, I just noticed that in the, the box score. Yeah, we talked. Yeah, I remember saying that before I went on vacation. Yeah, <laughs> it just it's it's. I, I I took it as like <laughs> they they list him as a center when he plays like a center, and they list him as a forward when he you know forgets that he's got a pair. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, totally. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just uh, it's I, the only thing that that really I learned from the Ohio State game, it's not really learned from the Ohio State game, but maybe affirmed was that Carter Gilmore shouldn't be seeing the floor oh, ever for dude. any reason. Dude. Ever. Dude. Daniel. I know. It's so, it's so, it's like all of a sudden you're like, okay, we're doing good on the turnovers. And then Gilmore's like, <laughs> what? I, I just don't right. get it. I don't get it. It's, it's insane. They got a, like a, a 16 point lead at half. And then, Ohio State whittles it down to like a seven or eight point lead, and and then Greg Gardo maybe like his only bad decision of the day is like, you know what, this isn't a close enough game. Let me throw in Carter so that he can <laughs> have an inbound turnover when we just like just scored for the first time in five minutes, and let let me put him in so he can throw the ball to the other team. Basically, yeah, it's it's in, it's insane. He's like a. <laughs> He has an automatic turnover. I know. I don't understand how he gets turnover. minutes. I have no idea. I don't know if it was uh, Chris Holtman was fired because of the Carter Gilmore minutes or it was the two minutes from Isaac Lindsay. I'm not sure which one it was where Ohio State's like, we just can't stomach this. You got to be gone, dude. <laughs> you know, on top on top of all of this, what what kind of gets lost is that, you know, Chucky, Chucky Hepburn is playing in, like, uh, all NCAA defense this year. Yeah. Like, He's actually... Really well actually insane like being with what he's able to do on opposing guards we're getting beat by big guys not guards this year yeah people people don't realize that but like our defense is really good from a guard standpoint because klesmit locks down a shooting guard and chucky locks down the point guard and then we just have you know we have a plethora of big guys the only problem is all our big guys are either 150 pounds or <laughs> you know the p word so yeah um, soft. Yeah, I, so they, or they does it, or does it rhyme with wussy? It does. It does. They're they're definitely wussies for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, it's 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 it is what it is. And yeah. like I said, you know, don't get too high, too low, and that's 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 how you keep it even as we head towards March. Like, we're only what three weeks away. Yeah, dude, it's February fifteenth, like, man. Or something. How's Val- Hey, how's I Valentine's guess. Day for you, by the way? Did you do anything? I. We got married like well, yeah. twenty two, yeah. so we have we don't have like a lot of wedding pictures up, and we just bought a house. So like, <laughs> I, I I got some of our wedding pictures like printed off actually, you know, for the first time Dude, in a my, year and my, a half. My so. wife wants me to do that, and we've been married almost eight years now. So good on you. Like I've been waiting seven eight years to do that. So I haven't done it yet, but good on you. That's good. Getting a jump. Yeah, that's good. I, I figured that that's a better way to spend like thirty bucks. We got like we got like two Olive pictures Garden. of us. We got like two pictures of us in the house. We've <laughs> been waiting seven years. Right, dude, I'm, I got to ask you this, Daniel, because you know you're married, and I, I got a bucks question for you, quick. Uh, Valentine's Day. 
I'm, I'm going to rant about this later, but Valentine's Day to me is totally like it's always jump the shark, right? It's a corporate holiday, whatever, but you got to do it just to do it to appease the lady. I'm at I'm at a coffee shop yesterday, uh, Mocha drive through, and they're doing the whole stupid pay it forward thing for Valentine's Day. So people are buying me coffee and I got to buy the people behind me coffee because, you know, you got to do it. And then I go to the gym and people are telling me happy Valentine's Day at the desk. And then I go to like a, like at Walgreens to get something. I'm getting told happy Valentine's Day. What? I'm done with the Valentine's Day stuff. Isn't it Valentine's Day just meant for your like significant other? Am I wrong in thinking that? Am I wrong in that? Do you have to tell everyone Valentine's Day and pay it forward with coffee and get them crap? Or am I am well, I wrong? So so I I'm gonna I'm gonna counter that just slightly. Yeah. And I don't mean it in you know, I think it's a very corporate and commercialized holiday too. But it's based on Saint Valentine, right? That's sure. that's what it's actually based on and my my wife works in schools, and they're taking away Valentine's. What? Now it's like it's Friend Day. What? I'm not kidding. For the little kids, it <laughs> no is it's called like it's called like Friends Day and like like Happy Day. Like it, I'm not kidding. They're, they're taking away Valentine's. They're taking because they don't want. I don't know if it's like like when we were when I was a kid, you did like you had you made the little box out of like cardboard or you know the yep. the cardboard paper, and then you put the Valentine's in for everyone. That that's gone. That's that's pretty much apparently gone. Yeah, people <laughs> still say Happy Valentine's Day, but the teachers aren't supposed to say that to the kids anymore. They're supposed to say Happy Friends Day, ha- what? Happy whatever day. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. That's funny, dude. Taking away, taking away anything uh, remotely close to what we grew up with. Oh so. yeah, oh yeah. That's funny, dude. Hey, wait, let me ask you this quick, Daniel, because I know you said don't get too high and don't get too low on the Bucks. So the Bucks trade for Patrick Beverly, right? Um, the Bucks got Damian Lillard earlier. Damian Lillard and Patrick Beverly don't like each other. Like they have had a really sour relationship. Uh, how are you feeling about the Bucks right now? Of when it comes to chemistry, with Dame trying to fit with Giannis, then them firing Adrian Griffin, getting Doc Rivers, and now Patrick Beverly coming in, who doesn't get along with Damian Lillard? Well, they're in third place in the East. Eight Am games I right? back. Yep, eight games back. They're not going to get the first seed. They never were going to get the first seed because the Celtics play way too hard in the regular season. Mm-hmm. And they find out every single year that they're playing too hard in the regular season. <laughs> the Bucks, it doesn't matter until April. And we know that. Mm. And real real fans know that. You know, the NBA will try and push that the Bucks suck, that narrative. They'll, they'll push that all year. They'll push the... Uh, well, I, I saw something ridiculous. Oh yeah, it was like Bucks hold a players only meeting after getting beat by Miami Heat. That's what the that's what was tweeted by the NBA. Yeah. That's their prayer circle that they do after every game. <laughs> I think that you know, the picture of, of Giannis and Thanasis and all of them in like a circle, it's like, no, they do that after a win, after a loss, after everything. Thanasis. It it's, it does not matter what the Bucks do in the next month and a half because they're gonna be in the top one of the top six seeds. It doesn't matter. And then they're going to be fine in April because they are as long as they as long as they're healthy. Knock on wood, they'll be fine in April because they have a better top five than every team in the East. Yeah, and that's that's what matters in the playoffs. So not too so, high, not too low. Well, yeah, not at least not right now. Yeah, I'm, it's February. Okay, yep. like people that care about February are like the 11 seed that are trying to just barely make the playoffs. Like we used to care about February 10 years ago. Uh, oh yeah. Now it, 
Now we don't. Now now it doesn't matter till April. We got we got too good of a team that if you know if they get beat in the first round, then you get low, right? Sure. sure. All right. But right now, I, yeah. I like it. Not too high, high. Not too low. Daniel, you, did you get your workout in yet, or are you doing it right now? We're gonna go get it. No, I'm done. You done? Yeah, I'm done. That a boy. All right, Daniel. You, nice to hear from your buddy. It's, it's nice to hear yeah, from you. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good one. See you, man. There is Daniel in Madison. Uh, themes of his phone call lately: Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Valentine's Day. I'm putting a foot down on Valentine's Day. I'm putting a foot down. I've had enough. I don't want to be saying Happy Valentine's Day to the old lady who don't give a crap about me at Walgreens. I don't have to be buying people's coffee to pay it forward because it's Valentine's Day. I don't need that. I don't need people, you know, we got to get gift cards for the people at the gym. Uh, when I was down in Mexico, though, there was a just ton of uh, Canadians asking me about the Green Bay Packers. And I thought to myself, well, I could talk about the Packers with you. But my gosh, a guy that I wish was with me poolside talking to all these Canadians would be Rob Reichel, Forbes.com, Conley Media. Robbie, what's up, brother? Maybe that's our plan for next February, Evo. We'll just uh, we'll, we'll we'll leave the wives be home and we'll leave the wives home and just go take that ourselves. Yeah, dude, I'm down, dude. Where I was at, Rob, it was like 90, 95 percent Canadians, and they all um, wanted to talk Packers essentially, but mostly about Brett Favre. Believe it or not, it was all about Favre. <laughs> Outstanding, as, as well as well it should be. Yeah, that I didn't get any Rogers talk. It was Favre, and then a little like, is Jordan Love going to be the next guy? So I was like, you know what? I, I think he's going to be the next guy. But, Rob, yeah, missed you down in Mexico, man. It was a good time. Good time at the All Inclusive. That, that is outstanding. Well, I don't think you missed me too much. It looks, it looks from, from your social media post like uh, like uh, you, you, had, you had everything lined up perfectly for that vacation. So, hey, Rob, well, well, well done, buddy. Speaking of the Super Bowl, man, um, what did you think? Uh, first half, a little whatever, but it obviously got picked up in the second half in the overtime. What did you think? Where does that Super Bowl stack up for you in entertainment value? Yeah, I mean, it's a top five. There's no doubt. You know me, Evo. I love defense. So while most of the country was complaining and whining at 0-0 at the end of the first quarter and a you know relatively quiet first half in terms of, of points and what was it, 10-3 maybe at the break, um, I like that kind of football myself. I like old-school football. I love that Super Bowl, whatever it was five years ago or something like that, where New England beat uh, beat the Rams 13-3 and quieted down what a genius McVay was, at least at least short term. Um, and then, you know, like, like we saw at the end, you can't keep Mahomes down forever. They score, what, two touchdowns, two field goals on their last four drives. Um, you know, Evo games like that will be remembered forever for little snippets and little plays and, um, right now, Kyle Shanahan's legacy, much like Matt Lafleur's legacy, is kicking a field goal in a, in an NFC Championship game against against Tampa Bay in 2020. You know, history right now is not going to be kind to Kyle Shanahan in terms of taking the football first in in that overtime. Um, the the confusion it seems among some of his players uh, of how overtime yeah. rules worked and and things to that effect. And now again. It really doesn't matter if the players know those rules inside and out. I mean, well, all that really matters is, is that the coaching staff knows it and enough people up in the box know it and things like that. But, but there, there's no question. Shanahan's decision to, to take the ball first and, and, and kind of give Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes 
um, the advantage of knowing exactly what they had to do when they got the football um, was was a huge benefit and a huge plus for the Chiefs, and you, and you saw that they, you know, all the all the video we we've, we've seen since that day that go and show you the the Chiefs sideline, you know, af, after the coin toss where Mahomes and Warner went out there, uh, Fred Warner from San Francisco, you know, San uh, Kansas City was elated to get the ball second. You guys jumping around, Kelsey yelling and screaming, although he was yelling and screaming most of the game. Uh, you know, Mahomes <laughs> being giddy about that and, and things to that effect. And, and obviously it fits Shanahan on the backside, and, and, and that's going to be one of the central uh, themes and takeaways from that Super Bowl for the rest of time is how Kyle Shanahan played overtime. And, and there's a ton of pressure on that guy right now out in San Francisco to win a championship. And, and right now, Evo, that did not help his legacy. It obviously helped Mahomes' legacy and – uh, but to your initial question, Evo, I thought that game had everything from defense early to, to offense later on and crazy, um, you know, t- tough coaching decisions, uh, st- strategical decisions that had to be made at the end of the football game that we're going to talk about for a long, long time. Yeah, and I think uh, before I ask you uh, another Super Bowl question on the one that just happened, but upcoming here, uh, I think an unsung hero, Leo Chanel. Shout out to the Wisconsin Badgers, man. Uh, what, sack? He got six tackles, one clutch tackle for loss, a forced fumble, and an extra point block. Leo Chanel was an absolute animal for the Chiefs. My gosh. Just awesome, wasn't it? Yep, mm-hmm. just awesome. Making game-changing plays, difference-making plays throughout you know, throughout the course of the uh, of the of that football game, kind of a uh, you know, I don't know, maybe underrated or unsung guy at various times through through his Badger career, and uh, you know, he's obviously found a niche and gone on, and and now he's got a couple here with uh, with, with the Chiefs, Evo, a couple of Super Bowls. So yes, no, that was that was an outstanding day, uh, you know, for Wisconsin football as well. I mean that's. That's the beauty of where the Badgers have been in the last, you know, twenty-five or thirty years. Evo, you can you can go through the majority of rosters right now in the NFL and 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 find a Badger usually somewhere along the way. Um, and and that was another one on 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 Sunday. I, I wonder how many people in Madison exactly knew that Leo Chanel was a Chief prior to Sunday. They certainly know now. Yeah. It was it was it was a great day for him, and it really Evo a really good day for the program. Yeah, Rob, and uh, I know you had retweeted a couple things about this, and I talked about it before I called you in the first segment. Uh, a big hero though from the parade yesterday, the Chiefs fan Paul Contreras, who tackled one of those shooters in that just awful scene there in Kansas City. That's those are the people we should be talking about too. Is the guy that stepped up and uh, took down one of those scumbags. You know, that was good on that guy. I say that all the time, Evo. Um, you know, the the mainstream media likes to spend all their time talking about the shooters. Well, you know, as, as, as long as they're Caucasian males, they like to spend all their time talking about the shooters. But for the most part, they, they, they that, that's where they fixate and focus uh, the majority of their attention is, is in, in making those guys famous. Rather than the real heroes, like like we saw it, uh, in, in in Kansas City yesterday, the, the, a, a guy a guy like that, Evo, who who like you just mentioned, uh, right? He, he immediately identifies the shooter, tackles him, stays on top of him until authorities can get there. I mean, now that is a freaking American hero if I've if I've ever heard or, or, or seen of one, Evo, and we we've had incidents like this in, in you know in, in in other mass shootings you've seen it evil at, at various points in time uh in the last few years as shoplifting 
um, and, and, and free-for-all that so many of these Targets and Walmarts and Walgreens have taken off where, where three or four customers in a store will see a guy try to get out the, get out the door with a, you know, to just load up his cart and, and wheel it out. And if, and if you random, you know, customers will block his path or something like that. Those are the real heroes. And, it's, you know, and I don't want to get on a rant here. You no, know, yeah. It's unfortunate we've come to a point like that in society right now. But my whole point when I retweet things like that a lot of times is let's focus on the real hero. And we had a few of those yesterday in Kansas City in a really, really sad day for, for a lot of people and a lot of reasons, obviously. Um, let, 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 let's find the good. And a guy like that is a true American hero. Rob, on the Super Bowl, but one upcoming, I know lines being released uh, for uh, the next season here. And we were talking a little off air. Uh, Packers sitting around 10th. Uh, depending on what you look at uh, on the list. So we'll give the 10 range for them. Uh, a couple teams above the Packers, but first, Packers 10th, around 10th, Rob? What do you think? Too high, too low, just right for the Green Bay Packers for this upcoming season? No, that's that, that, that that's not high enough. Jump, you know, if you're a gambling person, jump on that right now. Um, you know, take Green Bay at 18 to 1 or 20 to 1 or 16 to 1 or whatever it is. You know that that you find to, to win the Super Bowl. You know that this is a team on the come. This is a team on the rise, and you know we we've talked about this. The the now is is, is anybody going to catch Mahomes in the next three four years? That's going to be the really tricky thing, right? So at the end at the end of the day, if he's sitting there waiting for you in the Super Bowl, um, you know, no matter who is on that team. In Kansas City, Evil, if Mahomes is on that roster, to me, they're the favorite. We talked about this, you know, a week or two ago. I, I never understood the line, um, how San Francisco was favorite. Um, I, I certainly did well myself on, on Sunday, Evo, no betting way. against the 49ers, betting on the Chiefs. Um, because right now to me, Evo, it's kind of like Tom Brady all those years. You just don't bet against the, you just don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. You don't bet against the Chiefs. But, you know, the, the, the reality is, Evo, the path on the you know the path of the NFC because of the lack of great quarterbacks is a lot easier for Green Bay and it's a lot easier for Jordan Love and the path for Patrick Mahomes you know to get to a Super Bowl to, to have to get through um, you know a, a Josh Allen a, a, a Joe Burrow a Lamar Jackson a, a, a Trevor Lawrence a, a Justin Herbert now that that team might finally be be well coached I mean the the the, the real um, you know the the real power of quarterbacks is obviously in the AFC. Ebo, you know if if if, if we rank the NFC's quarterbacks right now, I I, I don't know what do you, what do you do? Dak, Hurts, Love, and and Stafford, maybe. I I think you know Purdy was certainly exposed for what he really is throughout the course of of this postseason. So you know the the, the path for Jordan Love and these Packers is going to be easier. Uh, in the NFC than what it is for the majority of the AFC teams, Evo trying to get there. Um, and, and we've talked about it before with that remarkably young roster that, that they had this year, only going to get better and better. 11 draft picks. They're going to have some room to play with in free agency. Uh, you know, what, once they settle up on a couple of these contracts and cut a David Bakhtiari or cut a Devondre Campbell or whoever it turns out to be, you're going to see that coming here in the next couple of weeks, Evo probably right before the combine or, or something like that, which is in about two weeks. And uh, all of a sudden the Packers are going to have a whole lot, whole lot of money to play with in free agency. Ebo, like we said, they've got the draft capital. It's, it, it was the youngest team in the league. It was the youngest team in 50 years to win a playoff game. Um, 
Evo, you know, having them eighth or tenth or whatever to to win a Super Bowl, it's it's just not it's just not high enough. I've seen a lot of these where you know Dallas is ahead of them on some of these. Philly, which obviously collapsed last year, yeah. is ahead of them. We saw the Cowboys, you know, in and and how Green Bay manhandled them in the, in the playoffs. And Dallas right now looks like a mess with all the you know with all the heat that Mike McCarthy and and some of the old school. Uh, Cowboys are, are kind of heaping on the cow, uh, heaping on McCarthy and his people right now at, at, at this point in time. You know, Evo, I, I think the NFC is a three horse race as, as we look ahead to next year. Honestly, I, I think it's Detroit, I think it's Green Bay, and I think it's San Francisco. And we'll see who San Francisco hires as its defensive coordinator. It's going to be really the biggest move coming up here in the league in the next few days. Um, I mean, if they somehow wound up with, with Bill Belichick as the defensive coordinator, Evo. They obviously go to, you know, they maintain their status. As Rob, I saw the talking heads floating Rex Ryan out there for the Niners. You know, there, there, there's some really interesting candidates being mentioned at this point in time. And, and, and I would think Kyle Shanahan probably hasn't already figured out, you know, from, you know, moving off of Wilkes like he did the other day. He's probably got his guy picked out. Packer Nation would probably love it if, you know, if, if, if Kyle Shanahan went and tried to steal Joe Barry now off the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> the Dolphins staff that, that 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 might be a real plus maybe both for for Green Bay, but there are there are some really attractive candidates out there for for Kyle Shanahan to go and and, and try to get. But but Evo, you know, just big picture wise, Detroit's roster is loaded, much like Green Bay. San Francisco doesn't have you know that they've got all these stars, Evo, and they're not going to have to really part ways with the overwhelming majority of them. They're going to bring most of that group back, and 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 they should be. Um, somebody always comes out of nowhere and surprises, and you know we'll we'll see who that team is in in twenty twenty four. But Evo, as we sit here right now in the middle of February, I mean, I, I really think it's Green Bay, Detroit, and San Francisco as we look ahead. Uh, to next season inside the NFC. Yeah, Rob Reichel joining us right now, uh, Conley Media, Forbes.com. Robbie, speaking of uh, Forbes.com, I know you're doing a little position-by-position position breakdown and kind of this this lull uh, a bit here in the NFL. Last time we talked, I think the first time, uh, the first article I should say you had out was about Jordan Love. We don't need to rehash that. And then I do believe you went into running backs. Uh, Aaron Jones, obviously your mainstay. Draft coming up here, Rob? Uh, A.J. Dillon, not long for this Green Bay Packers world? Yeah, and you know, and I know he's the mayor of Door County, and everybody loves him, and and, he, and he's been a model Packer, this and that. But you know, Evo, you know, a second contract, and and he's going to get one from somebody. It's probably going to be more money than Green Bay is going to want to play, uh, pay him. Um, Evo, if you know, if if Dylan goes out there and tests the market, and and it's and it's awful, and nobody will give him anything, I guess there's always a chance. He could come back to Green Bay, but I largely think that that ship has sailed. The Packers will take one, maybe even two running backs here in, in the, I would say, Evo somewhere between rounds three and five. There's always a chance they could jump up and take one in the second round, but it, it, it's not a great year for running backs. But Green Bay is going to want to get a guy, I think, Evo, that can touch the ball, uh, you know, carry the ball, you know, 200 plus times in a given season. And I, and we've talked about this before. I think they're going to want a running back Evo that at least the first half or 10 games of the year, um, you know, can at least match and maybe even surpass Aaron Jones's carry total and maybe overall touches. And then, you know, the last quarter, the last third of the year, you really let Jones take this offense over kind of like he did last year, Evo, 
I won't go as far as saying they're going to bubble wrap Aaron Jones, but you need Aaron Jones in December and January a lot more than you need him in September. So again, I, I, I think he's on a pitch count, so to speak. You know, whether we, you know, the NBA version is obviously load management. We're almost to that point now with, with some older guys inside the NFL who don't have to practice during the week and, and they just want to make sure they're there on Sundays. It's how the Packers are going to handle Aaron Jones here in the second half of the later stages of his career. He's going to be a guy, Evo, that probably the first 10 or 12 games of the year only touches the ball 12 times a game or something like that. And they might want to get a bell cow who can handle it 15 to 18 times a game. So they're going to go running back pretty early, Evo, in the, in, in the draft maybe take a second one later on if somebody jumps off the page uh, to, to Brian Gutekunst. I mean, they will have Patrick Taylor back and Emmanuel Wilson and, and guys like that. They don't really move the needle. So you could see the Packers taking a couple running backs, Evo, but the long and the short of it is A.J. Dillon is probably done as a Green Bay Packer. Oof. So blow for Door County. Hey, Rob, I saw, <laughs> I saw this. Uh, Valentine's Day yesterday, my man Robbie, he said, I, uh, uh, sorry, honey, got to put an article out. Uh, I think we're pretty set, though. You put out the uh, tight ends, Musgrave and Kraft. Is that the dynamic duo? And was the missus okay if you punching away on the keyboard on Valentine's Day? Oh, she knows I'm always punching away on that keyboard, Evo, <laughs> so it's just... Just another day, man. It was it, it, it was just another Wednesday. <laughs> and, uh, no, we we tried to do something later on, but but yes, to to, to your point, I mean Green Bay, well that that combination of young tight ends and what they what they showed the world in in twenty twenty three has to have everybody inside that building on the offensive coaching staff absolutely salivating over what they can do. You know, with with Kraft and Musgrave here the next the next three years, while both guys are are still under contract. You know, I I, I think back to how remarkable you know Gronk and Hernandez were with the Patriots a decade, twelve, fourteen years ago, Evo when they when they first broke on the scene before it, you know Aaron Hernandez ruined his own career and and the lives of many others. But you know that that was probably the best tight end duo we have seen in the league in the last ten or fifteen years. I'm not saying Kraft and Musgrave are going to be that evil, but they're, they're going to be as dynamic of a duo as, as you might have here the next couple of years in, in, inside the NFL. You, you know, when you think Musgrave runs a four six one, and he can stretch a defense, Evo, and, you know, I mean, he's a mismatch against linebackers. He might be a mismatch against safeties. He, he's going to be a guy that just keeps getting better and better. His numbers last year, Evo, if it wasn't for that lacerated kidney, where he missed six games would have probably been, you know, mid fifties in terms of catches, probably about 600 receiving yards, um, you know, which are, which is outstanding numbers for a rookie. And then you think about Tucker Kraft, Evo, um, who became a fan favorite for hurdling guys and just his overall toughness. Um, and, and, and Evo, you think when he showed up, I mean, I remember last summer, Evo, when I was doing my 53 man projections, in, in terms of who was going to make the team and who wasn't. I knew Tucker Kraft would be on the roster, obviously, right? He, he was a third-round draft pick. Uh, Brian Gutekunst isn't caught in a third-round draft pick. But if you had watched training camp closely, Evo, Tucker Kraft probably didn't deserve to be on the football team. There were other guys in camp that certainly out, outplayed him. Now, you knew he was going to stick around because he was a third-round pick, but he had a really rough summer, Evo, top to bottom. Well, Week by week, the thing, you know, remember here, he's a small town kid, South Dakota State, came from a small school, 
didn't have this level of competition. But things just started to click for him, Evo, week by week by week. And when Musgrave went down, you know, whatever that was, early to mid-November, and Kraft had to step up. You know, Kraft's last eight games, Evo, were absolutely outstanding. And he wound up, you know, I, I think if, I think if I remember the numbers right, Evo, his receiving yards are number two all-time in franchise history right now for a rookie tight end. Bubba Franks was one, and um, and Kraft was two, and Musgrave was three. Kraft wound up passing Musgrave in, in, in that category. So, Evo, when you combine the two, right, the fact that Musgrave's a 4-6-1 and, and runs like the wind, it, can, it, it really is a rare physical specimen who can stretch a defense, and then Kraft is more of an old-school, um, you know, beat-up-as-you-go, in-line type tight end, um, but with a unique skill set himself, Evil, because he still runs a four seven. I mean, Kraft has a lot of a lot of pretty unique skills himself. That combination of tight ends, Evil, when you think pairing that with the with the group of wide receivers that the Packers have, and everybody's twenty three, twenty four years old, and I'll have a story coming out on that tomorrow, um, Evil. I I mean, this this group of pass catchers to me has so much, you know, such a remarkably high level um, or, or, or potential evil, you know, to absolutely put up astronomical numbers here over the next couple, three years. Um, it, it, it should have all a Packer Nation really excited. Love, uh, I love it all, Robbie. We'll check it out at Forbes.com as they keep on coming. We want some uh, viewing tonight, see some records broken. The Iowa phenom, Caitlin Clark, needs what, eight points to break the NCAA's women's basketball scoring record? And she has never scored fewer than eight points in a game in her Iowa career, so you can have uh, that going down as mm, Iowa will take on Michigan. Let's see here. The average price on the secondary market for a ticket is $400. Damn. Eight points is all she needs to be the number one. Exciting stuff there. Our guy Kinger on Twitch says her over-under is 34.5 points tonight. Woo! Is that game on Peacock? You tell me that game's on Peacock? So I guess if you got Peacock, you can watch it, if, if that's the case. Someone confirm that for me on Twitch. Peacock, man. Badgers was just on Peacock the other night, too. All right, so if, uh, I guess must-see TV if uh, you got the Peacock. Man, I hate the uh, buying more stuff just to watch some games. Terrible. So there you go, Caitlin Clark tonight. I'm going to bet money she gets it done. I would believe so. Let's see. All right. Baseball-wise... Brewers and uh, pitchers and catchers reported for the Milwaukee Brewers yesterday. Some news and notes coming out of there. Some of the reporters down there. I saw this from Todd Rosiak. Gary Sanchez. Not here. Not there, I should say. The deal is not done yet for Gary Sanchez, the move the Brewers got here for uh, the catcher. Not in Maryville. Just because he's not under contract with the Brewers. Now, there is no guarantee that this contract gets done. Two sides still negotiating. It, it still could get done. But if they fail to reach a deal, which would be a shame, the Brewers uh, may still look to the free agent market for another potential 
you know, what he could be DH, backup catcher, notable names remaining on the market. Mean Gene Segura, former Brewer, hey. Matt Chapman, JD Martinez, and I know Mickey, our girl, called in earlier today. So they should uh, bring this guy in for the Brewers for like a player manager role. How about Joey Votto, Reds Phenom, uh, out there on the market? I always love Joey Votto. But yeah, the. Uh, the expectation is Gary Sanchez to get it done, but uh, apparently the two sides still working on something. I don't know. Something smell a little off, a little fishy. Other notes. Speaking of catchers, William Contreras. Noticeably muscled up from last season. So is Andrew Monasterio. Not to say uh, Contreras was small to begin with, though, but putting the, uh, more muscle on, baby. Love it. And then there's this guy is going to be uh, part of the Brewers' starting pitching rotation. Wade Miley is looking to put weight on. He had an off-season illness that knocked him down quite a bit. So how about that? Wade Miley, who looks like Mr. Wisconsinite, needs to put some on. Well, get his ass out of Arizona and send him back to Wisconsin and get that man some cheese and some brats ASAP to put some muscle on here. Or some weight on, I should say, for Wade Miley, who's coming back around. Uh, Brewers. How are you feeling about the crew? We uh, were talking earlier today about the crew. Uh, a lot of places, uh, DraftKings has the over-under win total, 76.5. Lowest is at uh, a couple other sites, BetMGM, FanDuel, 75.5. I feel like that is low, low, low. Um, our guy, Big Ron, called in. He was on vacation in the Florida Keys. Shout out to Big Ron. He said, hammer the over on that one. I agree with you, Big Ron. Hammer the over on 76.5. The NL Central is wide open. No, the only team not to do it is Pirates ain't going to do anything. But you look at the other uh, over-under win totals here. Um, our rival, the Chicago Cubs, they sit as low as 83.5 all the way to 84.5. You have the Reds. They're bumping around 82.5 just about every book. The Cardinals, can they have a bounce back here from last year? Their lowest is 84.5. Their highest, 86.5. And, and then you got the Pirates. <sighs> 73.5 or 74.5. God, the Vegas doesn't have them much better, uh, much worse than the Brewers, though. Uh, Brewers getting underway. Again, their first practice is going to be today. Everyone reporting yesterday, or pitchers and catchers reporting yesterday. And um, wondering how the season's going to look as you got a lot of uh, question marks uh, coming in for the crew. You know, are these signings going to get done? Are they going to have uh, the offense? as they uh, have had the pitching for a long time, but now that starting pitching rotation kind of in flux. Is Freddie Peralta going to be that ace? Is Freddie Peralta going to be your guy as we enter into the season? I'm curious to see you know, how Pat Murphy does. As Craig Council was talking to some Chicago media, and I was wondering, like, are Wisconsin fans, uh, are we getting a little soft here? Uh, Craig Council, when he was talking to some of the media, he said the first week, you know, after he went old Judas on us, decided to go all the way down to Chicago. So the first week was not great, I'll be honest with you. But since then, everyone's been super nice. He's talking about Wisconsin. says, I mean, I live here. They say they make jokes saying we're not going to cheer for you, but it's nothing bad. And then he says, really, I've had no bad experiences at all since then, since this first week. Quote, I think as we get further away from it, we'll be fine. Okay, Brewers fans, Wisconsin fans, are you going to be milk toast on Craig Council? Or are you in my vein? 
Got to boo this guy relentlessly when he comes back to American Family Field. We never, whoever saw the Chicago move coming, we thought it'd be anywhere else. But out of nowhere, Craig Council, I'll never forget the day. Manager of the Chicago Cubs, I wanted to take every stat that Craig Council had from playing with the crew to his managerial uh, skills with the crew and toss him out with the bathwater and said, forget about this guy. You are dead to me now. And you don the Cubs garb and you expect us to be nice. That's not happening. There is no way. Brewers fans, are you going to be nice to Craig Council? Are you going to or let him have it when he comes back to American Family Field? It, egregious of how he's turned his back you know, using the guise of family. And what does he do? He moves farther away. Well, not too far away, but he's like, yeah, I get to stay close to family. You could have stayed with the Milwaukee Brewers if you wanted to be close to your family.